Medtronic Technologies impacted more than 72 million people in the last year, equating to two people every second. Harnessing the power of technology to take healthcare further, each technology has unique benefits designed to serve patients. The goal of this program is to get closer to the patient and delve into the challenges and impact of each technology in practice. This is the Medtronic MedEd learning experience. The SonarMed airway monitoring system should not be used as the sole basis for diagnosis or therapy and is intended only as an adjunct in patient assessment. Medtronic's medical education programs are offered to provide attendees education on FDA-cleared indications and use of our products when applicable. The contents and conclusions of the following program are solely those of the speakers unless otherwise cited. The speakers are responsible for all content and any necessary permissions. The speakers receive funding from Covidian LP, a Medtronic company, for this speaking engagement. For this segment of the series, a discussion on unplanned extubation in the NICU. The team from Children's of Illinois NICU discusses how they implemented the sonar med system. To help answer this question is John Sanford, respiratory therapist, clinical educator at Children's of Illinois. It's a tough decision. Um, um, we don't really have too much of a priority to the patients. If um, there's a monitor that's available, well, definitely it goes on any intubated patient um, th that's on the unit. Um, but we will um, at times um, try to push the monitors towards um, say a patient that's already had a UE. So we don't want any repeat offenders or a patient that has a tenuous airway. We really are watching a little bit closer um, and something that we're concerned about um, or um, sometimes even some of the bigger kids that we notice that have real strong necks and purposeful movements with their hands, um, something that has worried us or you know, caught our attention, we may try to steer the monitor towards um, that patient in particular. We usually use uh, positional aids. So we have some um, beanies, bean bags um, that we'll kind of use or uh, um, just a kind of a, a cloth diaper, rolled diaper, or a, um, a blanket or something. So it's pretty much exactly the way we did it before. We didn't really have to, you know, change the way we supported that ET tube. It's um, the weight is hasn't been a factor. Um, the length adds a little bit of, of cumbersomeness to it, um, but we quickly got over that. It wasn't um, uh, a deal breaker for us at all. Yeah, it took a little bit of time for everyone to get used to it and to kind of understand what the monitor was trying to tell us. Um, but it has a few different screens for us to um, kind of look at the metrics or the numbers that um, it's um, given us. So um, the alarms um, sometimes or early on were a little bit difficult just because we were setting them uh, extremely tight um, because we really didn't have a baseline on where to put it. Um, so once we got comfortable, um, we started widening those a lot up a little bit, and then it um, kind of cut down on the uh, nuisance alarms that we were getting. We were getting, you know, a monitor that would just sit there and alarm and alarm and alarm, um, just because we've kept it. We, at first, we kept them really tight, um, but then as we got more comfortable with the machine and the device, we kind of were able to kind of pull those alarm limits out a little bit more um, and kind of not get the repeated alarms. Yeah, so our suctioning procedures have changed a little bit with the, the device. Um, there isn't a, we use safe suction um, distance measurements for every baby that's intubated. 
So of course we've got to add a little bit more uh, length to get down to the, the tip of the airway. Um, so we, we do that calculation. We post it up for the nurses uh, and it gets passed on a report for the RTs. Um, and the device will tell you if there's a, a percent occlusion of the airway. Um, so we, we tend, um, well, we would have a frequency that we would go in and assess our patients, see if they need intubated or, sorry, not intubated, but uh, suctioned. Um, and then a lot of times we would just suction during those cares. Um, and then in between, um, if we notice that um, maybe the alarm, the monitor is alarming and saying that there is a percent occlusion. Um, and it was to the point where we can kind of see if our baby was desatting, maybe having a bradycardic um, component to it, we would go in and do an additional suctioning with that. Um, but sometimes we may even um, pass on even suctioning, deep suctioning our patient just because it wasn't necessary. Um, a nice feature on the monitor is where you can actually listen to breath sounds without even putting a stethoscope on the baby's chest. Um, so if we could turn that feature on and the breath sounds were clear, my heart rate and SATs were doing fine, everything else was stable, um, we may defer the um, invasive suctioning um, to another point in the cares when maybe um, we were getting cues that um, the patient actually needed it. The positioning of the patient in the isolate with the adapter, since it does add some distance or some length to the end of the ET tube, um, what we tended to do is we will um, adjust the baby. Um, as we turn, we'll tur do position turns um, with the ventilator circuit in the ET tube, um, but we'll um, set the baby just off of midline of the isolate. So if they're back, um, uh, if they're laying on their side, we will actually move them just slightly over to the side to give us distance um, to actually still advance the catheter down the adapter and then down the airway uh, a little bit easier. So it, um, that kind of change in positioning has really helped um, ease that process of suctioning while maintaining um, you know, that warm environment of the isolate instead of dropping the, the side of the isolate all the way down, um, we could still just work through the portholes. Um, just fine. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to guess how many, I don't know how to answer that question about the new nuisance alarms. Um, but I mean, there, we do notice if a patient is alarming a lot um, and we're constantly having to go in there and um, assess the patient that maybe we can widen those alarms up if there is really a not, if it's a non-issue. Um, a lot of times we'll just, um, we'll increase that distance a little bit um, if we're able to, or we'll just double check and make sure that the alarms are set appropriately because there's been times where we um, didn't realize it, but maybe we've um, changed ET tubes, the patient changed out the adapter, but didn't adjust our alarms to it. So um, checking um, the alarms and the settings of the monitor um, tends to be um, more ingrained with the routine cares of the RT. So they will look at the monitor and make sure they're set appropriately. Um, the alarms that we'll set um, for our patients, um, it, it kind of goes by ET tube size. So as the ET tube size gets a little bit bigger, we understand that with the anatomy, the airway is a little bit um, bigger so that we can increase that alarm distance um, accordingly. Medtronic gives out uh, um, some 
guidance of where to start with your alarms. And we pretty much followed those. Please tune in next week for a new segment from this series, wherever you find your podcasts. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. Thank you for listening.